look at your life. Is that really something that's worth securing? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and so in our situation, oh it's like, look at your scores. Go into the score book and look in your scores. Is that something worth preserving? All those scores that you have? Probably not. Ski or die. 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 Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Ski or Die podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Montavon. And I'm Stevie Island. And for those of you who are new to our show, um, we do have some rules around here. So you've got to pay your dues to hang out on our show. What that means is we're an organic podcast. So we don't have any sponsors. I don't want to push anything on you guys during the show. But what that means is we need your help to grow Ski or Die. So please, if you learn anything today, if you're inspired, please share this with somebody that you think would benefit as well. That's all we ask. So it's been a minute since we've been on the show. Um, so I feel like it's a good chance to do a little life update. Small. Small life update, okay. So um, <laughs> most of May was dedicated to traveling and competing. I went to the LCQ series. Um, we just didn't really have a lot of time to hop on here and do the show. Um, but it was a really great experience. Obviously, it didn't go the way that I wanted. Um, I did not qualify for the Masters this year. Um, I was out by a few spots. Um, but that being said, it, it was a really great experience. You know, the first one, we went to Corey Picos in Santa Rosa Beach. Stevie went with me to that one. Mm -hmm. um, it's my first time over there. Yeah. It's I've a nice sight. It, oh, it's beautiful. And the weather was beautiful that weekend. Because, you know, May in northern Florida can be cold. Mm -hmm. It can be warm. We got a pretty warm weekend, I would say. Um, the water was a little cooler, but, I mean, I'm comparing that to South Florida. So, you know, um, that says it all right there. But, you know, the first round, the skiing felt really, really good. Um, I just needed to tweak a few things about the ski itself. Um, and then the second round, I ran the 38, but I, I lost the handle out the gates at 38. So I didn't get a shot at 39 there. So who knows how far I would have gotten at 39. Um, but three at 39 is what made the cut. That was the, the minimum, right? I think at so, that, that first one, one yeah. Um, and then the second one was at um, Drew Ross's Lake in Winter Garden, Florida. My brother came with me to that one. Um, I ran a 30 nine there I got a one and a half I went for it out of two I, I was late and narrowed to two and I, I went for it and I got a one and a half and then the final one was at Jack Travers and my dad went with me to that one so I had an escort all three weekends <laughs> <laughs> um and it was it was windy anybody who was there could tell you that it was it was blown out um and unfortunately both rounds that I skied it just it gusted up and I mean I, we do a lot of wind training but that was the windiest tournament conditions I've ever skied in. I think if we had been in practice, we wouldn't have skied in that. It was, um, 
high risk, but you know, high reward, quite literally, it's Masters LCQ. So, um, but I didn't have a good score in either of those rounds. I had a lot of chop and a lot of wind and I just couldn't get it done, but I I'm glad I did it. You know, that was six rounds of competing with the very best in the world and everybody trying to be on their very best game. Cause it's not for a podium spot. It's everybody, you know, clamoring for a chance to just ski in the Masters. So I feel like it really brought out the best in a lot of skiers. A lot of people ski better than we've ever seen them ski before, mm -hmm. which was really cool. Yeah, it was tons of really good skiing. I mean, on the men's side, when I saw it at Picos, it was astounding. Yeah, there was, I mean, how many guys were 3, 4, and 5 at 30? 41, sorry. A lot. A lot of guys. And I think the cutoff was 5. Right, which, I mean, I, I watched all that, and I was like, okay, so you guys are meaning to tell me you've been this good this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I've heard a lot of mixed um, reviews about that format because there was people who didn't make it to the Masters who some people would say should have, like um, Thomas DeGaspari didn't go to the Masters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm not going to speak to Thomas's skill set because I don't know what went on with him, but what I can say is it was really cool to see everybody who was the best at that time, in that moment, get to go to the Masters. I thought that was really interesting because it was the best skill set you know, in May 2021, the best the people with the best skills got to go to Masters. So who knows what format they'll do next year, but um, I think we all learned a lot about the potential that is at least score-wise within the sport. Um, and then, yeah, I've had a couple weeks back just getting back into the swing of things, skiing. Um, those of you who follow me on Instagram know that I, I quit my job. So I'm um, job searching too, which is, is really cool. There's just so many opportunities out there now. Um, so yeah, skiing, gym, um, career hunting, um, you know, and gearing up for another three weekends of tournaments. Back to back to back, coming yeah. up. Little South Florida tour, if you will. Yes, yes. So yeah, it's, um, it's, been, it's been busy and I miss the show. I miss doing this. What's, um, what's going on with you? My life is much less fun and exciting as yours right now. Because while you were traveling and doing really cool shit, I was just hanging back skiing here. But I did suffer an ankle injury uh, about a month ago that I'm still working through. And um, I've had to make some changes. And I've been having to adapt a lot in my skiing. And it's been pretty tough. So that pivots to what we're talking about today in the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about slumps in skiing and how to overcome them. I know pretty much everyone who takes a slalom course seriously in this world knows about slumps and they've been in them and it sucks. Yeah. Uh, some people deal with them better than others. Um, no, I know you've been really passionate about like the slump topic and then I think the timing is kind of perfect. You know, you sprained your ankle and... Um, in a weird way, you kind of keep re-spraining it, which is a very weird slump to be in where you keep suffering the same injury, you know, and then um, the LCQ is not going the way I wanted in a way kind of felt like a slump. So I think it's really good timing. Yeah, and it's an important topic to discuss because I mean, we can talk about technique all day long, but I think the mental aspect of the sport is the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdle to, to get over. Absolutely. Um, and so looking at slumps and like for me personally right now, I wouldn't, it's, it's not really a slump. I mean, I don't know what you'd call it, but basically I have this ankle injury. I keep re-injuring it every single time I do a specific thing, what's called blowing the tail. 
and it's super frustrating. And so what my team has had me do is get off that ski that I was on and try a bunch of different new ones. Mm -hmm. And because of logistical issues and other reasons, I've had you know the ski I want, and so I've been back and forth a couple times, and and I've been doing a lot of changes, like changing fins out and doing all sorts of different stuff to try and find a tune to set up for myself as these back-to-back-to-back tournament uh, weekends are coming up. Right. And what I've kept having to go back to is just my my deep fundamentals in my skiing, and I try and gain a baseline with each ski. And I, I'm spending a lot of time on the water, and so that's helping me feel, you know, aware on the water. Mm-hmm. And that awareness allows me to fine-tune when there's even a, a heavy uh, turn away from my norm, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to try and get as much time on the water so you can become adaptable like that. You can adapt to certain situations uh, when they're thrown at you. Yeah, you know, I think that what's interesting about slumps is I think people go one of two ways. And I mean, this is also from personal experience. I think when people are in a slump and, you know, let's talk about like what slump means. Like you're just in a bad way and you don't see a way out. Like things are just trending towards no. Mm-hmm. And there's anxiety involved. <laughs> right, yeah. It's it's usually a stressful situation. You're, you're where you don't want to be and you keep getting the same result, right? People are either willing to like start over, scrap everything, throw everything out the window, we need to reinvent the wheel, or they cling to what they have left to the point that they're not willing to try anything new because the risk of losing the little bit that they think they have left is too scary for them. Does that it's, make sense? Yeah, it's the same conundrum of, of the whole take a step back to take two forward type of thing. People are scared to you know, lose a few buoys in order to actually progress in the sport, which may be a year or two out. But I mean, that's the only way. Um, for me, it's been scary too, because I, I used to be that way. I used to cling to the norm. I would do stock settings on a ski. I would ski on a ski for two seasons. And I know a lot of people are like that. But, you know, I've had the opportunity to try a lot of different setups and on a lot of different skis. And that's been super cool. And what I can tell you is, it. you know like what I'm saying, Rosie? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> she's so distracting. But um, <clears throat> when you actually push yourself over that, that edge and you start to try different setups and you get out of this mental anxiety of your score today and you start thinking about knowledge in your technique day to day, it opens up a whole other world because then you're able to focus on, okay, this isn't working, but I'm gonna change and I'm going to notate how that worked. And and it it creates this whole almost like studious aspect of the sport instead of this goal chasing aspect. And I feel like that mental shift helps me with, you know, even just day to day slumps. Like say one day I'm doing poorly versus the next day. And also, obviously, you know, the longer slumps that we're actually talking about. Well, and I think something to, you know, reconsider, and we always try to bring things back to life, right? You know, I really like when a concept applies not only to skiing, but if it applies to life also, I'm like, okay, there's probably a lot of value in that. Um, 
you know, like, that's why I don't believe in, like, lucky board shorts, because that doesn't apply to real life. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're, when you're in a slump, um, I think it's important to, like you said, take a step back and reevaluate, okay, back when I was feeling, like, on my game, you know, like, when I was in a good way in my life, what were the things that I know were working? Like, I got dialed in for a reason. What was I working on? What were those core concepts? And are those concepts still like evergreen? Or was that something that served me well until something broke down, right? So like, we all know like West Coast slalom as a concept has kind of been like, you know, uh, revoked. because of what it can do to your back. And I, it's not really a slam against West Coast Slalom, you know, or anything like that. It's just as somebody who tried West Coast Slalom, I suffered a back injury. Okay, well, I would say that's more something that it worked in the short term. There were people getting good results, but in the long term, it didn't really work for them. So when you look at times in your life when you've been successful, what, you know, was the pillars of your methodology at that time that were making you successful? Because I think first things first, you need to reinstitute those. Because if those aren't serving you, then we have a bigger problem. But getting that part of your methodology reinstated, I think, is a huge first step. And I don't know how you feel that applies to you know your ski testing that you've been doing with your ankle, but I think it's been really cool to see you jump from ski to ski to ski to ski in a week with different fins and different numbers, and you're still running lots of 38s and 39s, like really consistently. And I think that's indicative of your core methodology. Yeah, I mean, obviously sound fundamentals are gonna help when there's variables thrown at you. And we know in this sport, there's constantly tons of variables being thrown at you. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's definitely a sound point. But maybe for someone who struggles with a foundation, they don't really have a baseline, but yet they're slumping a bit. I mean, what would you recommend for them? Well, I think that it's hard. See, that that gets very specific because... Well, I can see someone... The reason I bring it up is because I can see someone listening to this and saying, well, shit, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but if I'm going through a slump, I don't really know where to go. You know, if I'm taking a step back... I'm taking that step back blindly. I don't really know what a step back would look like. Well, and it's one of things, I don't want to get too ski specific once again. It's got to make sense for everybody. So if you don't know, like if you're that lost and and like, you know, there's like, there's such thing as a slump and then there's such thing as I'm feeling out of control, which I think people, if you've been in a slump for a long time, Anybody who's ever been in a slump for a very long period of time, you can start to feel like everything's out of control. And it can start in one place in your life, and then it starts to permeate everything else. And before you know it, you're fighting with your significant other. You feel like money is, like, super, super tight. You don't know how to ski anymore. Um, you, you know, what you're trying to do in the gym, like, you're just not good enough. You hate everybody at work. I mean, things start to spiral, right? Yeah, it can be overwhelming. It's Yeah, it's very overwhelming. And then how, what you're asking is, how do you take a step back like from that? Like when you just, you don't even know. There is no baseline. You're out of touch with reality. That's where I say, okay, you need to look to people who are doing it right. Because, I mean, here's the truth, you guys. Like unless you're like Elon Musk, we're probably not going to invent anything new. Everything all of us are trying to do in our day-to-day lives probably has already been done. And there's, it's done well. And some people are doing it not as well. 
I think this comes back to one of our previous episodes about auditing your circle. You know, are the people in your circle, do they do things in their life in a way where if your life mirrored that, you would be proud of it. You would feel less out of control. You would feel more control. So I think when you're feeling like, this is not right, I'm in a slump, or I'm out of control, or I don't like things, and I don't know what my baseline is, I don't know what was working for me, I think you need to look to people who are doing it right or are getting a result you like, look at their methodology and say, okay, am I willing to do that? And am I able to do that? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot in life comes down to there is a result people want and they're actually not willing to do what it takes. You know, like for example, 38 and 39 and 41 requires you to swing up next to the boat to a place that most people are not comfortable. If there was a way to take somebody who's never been at 39 and properly swing them up next to the boat driver at a one ball at 41, they would probably say, okay, no, like, no, thank you. <laughs> because it's scary. And the reason it's scary is because we just don't do it that often. We spend more time at our longer rope lengths. So, you know, just by default, we've all spent less time up next to the boat in that scary place. So you need to ask yourself, you know, am I willing to do what it's actually going to take to get me to that place, that better place that I'm looking for? If I'm not, I need to readjust my course and the final destination because I need to look at the scope of things I'm willing to do. But you know, I think looking to people, whether it be in your industry, if you feel out of control at work, look to people in your gym if your fitness and health is out of line. What methodology are they using? Look to people on the water. You know, who's getting the result you want? And not, don't look to like uh, uh, um, John Travers. If you're not trying to actually run four and five at 41, don't look to John Travers. Look to somebody who's getting the actual results you want. Hmm. You know, there's a lot I can learn from pro men slalom, but like, I'm not gonna ski at 36. So there's really only so much I can realistically take from that, right? Just, I mean, the same goes for you. Hmm. Masters men, open women's. Sure, you might learn something, but only so much of it applies. So, you know, look to people who are getting the exact results or really close to the exact result you're looking for and ask them for help, ask them for their methodology. What are they doing that you're not doing? Yeah, one thing I've learned is that people um, really like to share about themselves. <laughs> so it just takes one smart question, and then you get them on a roll, and all of a sudden, you know, they're spilling their guts, and you're learning a lot of cool stuff. And I hear what you're saying. I think it points to another point that uh, it's important to have a coach mm-hmm. if you can. Right. And that doesn't mean just in skiing. I mean think about it it's like a lot of people have life coaches I know who are super successful a lot of people have CrossFit coaches or personal trainers Uh, you know you need direction sometimes and those are the people who you can really look to when you're in a slump Mm -hmm. and those are the people who can ground you and those are the people who can point you in the right direction most of the time if they're a good coach I mean there's really no sense in you know beating your head up against the wall if somebody who has an answer is only a phone call or a text message away Mm -hmm. you know Personally, I I can tell you guys, I have one of my biggest faults. See, I've been doing interviews this week, so I'm very primed on what's my biggest weakness, right? (laughs) But my biggest weakness is I really don't like asking for help because I like appearing competent or I like learning it the hard way because then I know it inside and out, right? The problem is 
if we were to look at it collectively, there's probably been a lot of my life that's been wasted with me figuring it out, quote, when I could have just asked somebody. And then, you know, once I knew the skill set, I could go back and like learn that the process and the ins and outs of it, you know, later, whatever. But, you know, don't waste your life being somewhere you don't want to be just because you don't want to ask for help. And don't waste your life, you know, not getting the change you want because you're afraid of, um, losing a little bit in the meantime, even it, it's hard when you're in a slump. I mean, you know, this is one of those things where when I'm in a slump, it's hard for me to even take my own advice here, but you're not going to lose everything you've got. Everything you got left is probably what it feels like just by making a change. You know, it, it, at, when you're that desperate, it feels very high risk to make some change because you're like, Oh my God, I can't afford to lose any more ground. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you, if you've ever been stuck at two at 35 off, which I have been, right? That was a slump for like a year. I mean, I never saw three ball for a whole year. That was totally a slump. But I was so afraid to change anything because I was like, I can't lose my two at 35. <laughs> That's crazy because did you listen to Andrew Fasillo's most recent podcast? I don't think so. I'm behind on Andy. It was literally this. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know how he is. He's very blunt. Yeah. But he was saying... People who, you know, they, they are, you know, scared of change and they get to themselves to this specific point in life and they're so scared of losing what they've got and they're not willing to take the next step, take the next opportunity because of the high risk that's involved in it. He's like, look at your life. Is that really something that's worth securing? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and so in our situation, oh it's like, look at your scores. Go into the scorebook and look in your scores. Is that something worth preserving? All those scores that you have? Probably not. Yeah, if you get five, you know, two at 35s on the book, it's preserved. <laughs> it's preserved, man. Like, <laughs> go change some shit now. Yeah. Don't be afraid to change everything and lose everything. Because you know what? You'll come out on the other side and you'll know a hell of a lot more. And you'll be able to start growing again. And you'll get further, I promise you. You know, it's funny because... The, you know, the after the three LCQs, I mean, that was that was very devastating for me because we've worked hard for how many months, like intentionally about LCQs, and the scores were very very doable for me, um, and I felt great on the ski. I felt great. Okay, so first of all, um, all three tournaments, the boats felt great, and we had great boat drivers. I mean, that was some of the best driving I've had back to back weekends in my life. That was really cool. It was like it was enjoyable skiing. Um, and I came out of it and I kind of in a weird way, I just felt like I'd lost like just everything, which is, first of all, not real. Like that is not reality. Right. Um, and so it was kind of like an emotional slump because obviously nothing was lost. Like I'm still going to go to tournaments. We have our tournaments on our calendar for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I didn't go to Lake 38 um, Pro, but that was coach's orders. You know, I. I People seem to forget I, I do what my coach tells me because that's what I pay him money for. <laughs> um, you know, but it, it felt like an emotional slump. That's for sure. I mean, I remember thinking, like, we just keep doing this over and over again. Like, at its essence, like, that is that is skiing. You keep showing up. You keep trying. And let's say women start running 41. Well, there's not a lot of women tall enough to to get deep at 43. I mean, that is the end. That's the end of the story. But we're just gonna keep trying. 
And I mean, that's the epitome of an emotional slump, right? Seeing yeah. everything through the... What is the opposite become, of rose-colored glass? <laughs> I don't know, devil emoji glass? Yeah, right? I mean, it was. it's very like... I was like, this is it. There's not a, there's there's no options left. You, you become negative. Yeah. In all aspects, and it affects your mood day to day. You know, and for me, when I'm in emotional slump... So when I'm at my best, I see a lot of potential and opportunities. Stevie hates the P word, potential, but it's my thing. Um... And so I know for me, when I'm when I'm not well, I see how nothing is possible, mm. you know. And so yeah, it was definitely like an emotional slump, I'd say, as opposed to a physical one. Because I came back from the LCQs and I still skied well in practice. You know, I skied well and I have been skiing well. Of course, we've been tinkering with things, but I mean, I ski with Chet, so that's just a given. Um, you know, and I, I mean, of course, I wish we'd had the skis a little bit more dialed in. Because I didn't have a lot of time on that exact ski right up to the events, but I still felt really good. But yeah, it was it was a little bit of emotional an emotional slump, and I kind of had to find that fire to um, kind of like f- flip the switch inside me again, back to the positive side. And I think for me, I had to have that conversation with myself about you know Elizabeth, I think you tried too hard to be a good skier. Because a good skier would have qualified, right? And you need to go back to just like loving to ski and experimenting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have my numbers that I really like on my fin, but I'm willing to try anything, you know, play with different cuts of fins and different cuts of wings and different skis. And I mean, that really is my happy place is when Chet hands me a fin that's a weird shape and says, hey, go set this up at these numbers. I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I love that. Yeah. And getting ready for LCQs and the LCQs was very score oriented and that was just not my happy place. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'd qualified, of course we would have, I would be like, no, that is my happy place. I love competing. Oh my God. But, you know. It's easy to say that oh, when yeah. you're on the top of the podium. Yeah. But, um, no, I like that. But as we leave the listeners today in this audio world as they leave this this sonic space that we've created here. (laughs) What I want to tell you is stop being a little bitch and don't be afraid to take that next opportunity, take that next step forward. Change. Don't keep doing the same shit over and over again. Yeah, we... It drives me nuts. So we see a lot of that. People doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And, I mean, listen, I get it. It's a very public club. There's a lot of people. It's There's an audience all the time, and they're so afraid of losing what they have that they're not willing to change. I cannot tell you the number of times people come to me and ask me about my gate, and they want this part of my gate. And I say, okay you're gonna to have to pull out earlier. And they are so afraid of missing the gates in practice and somebody seeing it, they would rather take their shitty gate for the rest of the season than a better gate because they do not want to lose what they've got. I'm like, well, here's the deal, it's a shitty gate. You want, you're afraid of losing your shitty gate? Oh my God, what a tragedy. I am so upset for you. Like, just try it once on your, on your opening pass, your easiest pass. And they're too scared. Mm. So, um. 
don't be a bitch, I guess, is, is what we're leaving them with. I can't believe that's what you want to leave them with today. It's a little aggressive, but it's come on. Well, you said it in your nice, like, soft, like, sexy, salesy voice, so it wasn't mm-hmm. that aggressive. When I say it, it's aggressive. Yes. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> All right. Don't be afraid to change because what you feel like you're at risk of losing probably isn't as worth preserving as you think it is. There's probably a much more elevated version of your life waiting for you on the other side of a little learning curve and a little bit of change. Agreed. That was way more productive than your don't be a bitch. It's true. (laughs) But, you know, I'm less articulated as you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That got us there. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean so much to me. And if you want to be the first to know about all things Ski or Die, shoot me a text at 561-468-3603, and we'll get you added to the community.